WENJ, WENJ HD, Millville, Atlantic City. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. There's a reason to be excited for Philly in general going into what we're about to see for the NBA. If I'm if I'm the Bucks and I'm looking across around and I'm looking saying, who am I scared of? That answer is two things to me. It's Boston and it's Philly. And if Philly's really healthy and if Simmons comes in with that level of swagger to feel comfortable shooting those types of shots, then they can be thrown anybody in the league. That was ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz on the Sports Bash. He joins Mike Gale and Hunter Brody every Wednesday at 3 o'clock. Here on 97.3 ESB. I'm Josh Henning, filling in for Mike Gill. Mike will be back in tomorrow here on 97.3 ESB. The final hour of the show. We've been rocking with you since 1 o'clock today. If you missed any of the show today, make sure you go to 97.3 ESPN.com. Check out the Sports Bash podcast. All five hours will be up on the website. Hey, Broads, where else can you listen to the Sports Bash podcast? Well, you got Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, pretty much all of your major podcasting platforms. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill and Hunter Brody, and boom, it'll pop right up. No commercials. So if you missed any of our conversation today on a plethora of things, including my strategy for how I handle food in the work fridge. That's right. You steal. You are a thief. I'm not a thief. I just sometimes You notice... give it the respectful amount of time. Yeah. I'll say that, but I don't know if I would go down that road. That's all. I'm a survivor, as I put on Twitter. Did you like that GIF I put out there? I did. I liked it. Now, are you a fan of how much I use GIFs, or do you think I over-GIFs? I'm a GIFsman, so okay. I appreciate all of the GIFs that are used. Well, because I know some people are like, Josh, why do you always give replies on GIFs on Twitter? And I'm like, because I think it's fun. Absolutely. It tells a story. It adds context. It's like I always get yelled at by the fiance because I like to throw around some curse words here and there, right? And she's like, why do you have to say that? Well, if I add the word before the other word, it adds context. It means something different. So I always get yelled at, but I like to add context. With the gift, it adds context. I, th- I would say it adds color, maybe not context. Okay, but it, it just it adds, adds emphasis. Sure, it adds emphasis. flair. Well, it you, adds juice. If you add a word that starts with maybe the letter F, it adds emphasis in your sentence, does it not? Yeah, I'll go with that. I can rock okay. with that. Okay, thank you. Thank you for supporting my logic that is probably flawed. I'm just a fan of gifts, so <laughs> I think <laughs> moral I, of the story, I like the gif. <laughs> but the anyway, we played Jason Fitz there. He joins the sports bash every Wednesday. I thought it was interesting he talked about how, you know, listen. If you're the Bucks, you should be scared of two teams, he says. The Sixers and the Celtics. And I thought it was interesting he isolated those two teams specifically because, number one, if I'm anybody, I'm scared of the Raptors. Really? Because the Raptors have a team that has the same number of wins without Kawhi as they had with Kawhi last year. Yeah, but here's where I'll counter that. This Raptors team, although they had DeMar DeRozan, now they have Pascal Siakam stepping up in a way bigger role. But this Raptors team have been in a position where they were good in the regular season for years and years and years, and they weren't really able to overcome it. Maybe they had to do it LeBron James. Dwayne Casey. Maybe not. Yeah, see, I think that conversation is totally overblown. Okay. Because 
People look at Dwayne Casey and said he was the problem. And Nick Nurse won a championship with the Raptors, so he was the reason why they did it. But they don't factor in that they got a player like Kawhi Leonard. Dwayne Casey with Kawhi Leonard on that Raptors team, he's winning a championship. Fair. I just just think that there are other variables aside from Kawhi. You know what I mean? Well, you mentioned LeBron James. That's part of it. Oh, huge, huge. No doubt. But I think also you have to factor in that Nick Nurse changed how they were running things offensively and defensively. Right, but then that comes back to the conversation that Gil and I always bring up, that we're on the same page. We don't say that head coaches don't matter, but compared to what else matters to win a championship, they're so low on the totem pole. Okay, well, how about this? The the hierarchy of reasons why the Raptors won the NBA championship last year is, number one, no LeBron James in the East. Number two, Kawhi. Number three, Nick Nurse. I could say yes, but I'll say that Nick Nurse is still very low. If LeBron is 55%, Kawhi is 50%, then Nick Nurse is 5%. It doesn't even add up. 55 oh, 45, 50. I'm sorry. 45. <laughs> 55, 45, or what? Yeah, give, me, give me some help here, Josh. Right. Where am I going? How about you say LeBron is 45%? And then Kawhi okay. Leonard is 35%. So now you're at 80%. Now, and see, then 20, Nick Nurse 20's is too, 20. Too high. Too high too for Nick high? Nurse. Too high for Nick Nurse. Come on. Dwayne Casey, uh, he won Coach of the Year and gets fired. Like, why is it that? Coach of the Year is one of the most useless awards oh. in the NBA. Why, no, why do you say that? coach who's been Coach of the Year, whose name is not... Like Pat Riley has been fired. Well, then that proves my point that the coaching shouldn't shouldn't even get twenty percent in this debate. That just shows you that the coaching in the NBA doesn't really have that much value compared to other things. So I don't know if twenty percent is reasonable. No, it shows you that the coaching, uh, the coach of the year award is a nepotism award, and typically the person who gets it doesn't deserve it. No, it shows you that the coaching doesn't really have that much of an effect in the NBA. No, it shows you that the coach of the year is usually a dude who gets picked because people like him. No, come on. That's silly. How many people walk around and say, I love him? Dwayne Casey got coach of the year the same year he was fired. Right. He got it because his his own coaching fraternity was trying to stick up for him. No way. I mean, look at what their record was. They got it because of their record and what it was. It I'm, wasn't. I'm because... pulling up the history of coach of the year so you can get an I, idea just, of how stupid sh- this word is. It shows me <laughs> what it shows me is it defends what Gil and I have to say about NBA coaching. It doesn't matter that much. It doesn't matter that much. That's what it shows me. Because you can win Coach of the Year and have 60-plus wins or whatever and then get canned. All right, here we go. It all comes down to having the talent. I got one. At the right time of the season. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I, I can't count them twice. Ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. In the last 20 years, 13 of the NBA Coach of the Years have all been fired. Right. So I think that proves my point perfectly that NBA coaching doesn't really mean that much. No, it proves that the award is usually nepotistic and is not relevant. Well, it's not relevant because NBA coaching isn't that relevant. Because what really matters is the team and the players and having the superstar. Listen, I'm all for blaming the players over the coach in the NBA. 
But you got to give the coach some credit. Some credit. I, Gil says 20-ish. I say more like 15. I would lean toward the 20 to 25-ish. Okay, that's a little too much for my liking. Because to me, I think that there's a reason why Phil Jackson got through to the Bulls where Doug Collins couldn't. And why Steve Kerr got through to the Warriors where Mark Jackson couldn't. I think there is something there. Why Rick Carlisle went to the conference finals with the Pistons, gets fired, and Larry Burns, uh, Larry, uh, Larry Brown goes to two NBA finals and wins one of them with the same Pistons team. Well, sometimes it's more about just like having somebody new in there and not so much like what they're preaching. It's just the shock factor of having to prove to somebody new that you can play. Like... If you had Brett Brown in somewhere for seven, eight years and somebody new comes in, to me, it's not so much about the philosophy as it is, hey, here's a new guy in here. I need to show him that I can play in this position, particular role so then that adds like another level of focus because it's somebody new in there. I think you're underrating certain coaches' ability to get through. The in playoffs. the NBA, I just feel like you win championships based off of superstars, By and that's what Premier it comes League down news, to. News: uh, Aston Villa looks like they're going to avoid relegation. Well, it's close because they're now tied with somebody else for 34 points now. Just uh, looking at the table here. I'm just saying. I mean, we had this game on back here in the studio, and I noticed that this was a big game for them. They're so. tied with Watford for 34 points. So who holds the tiebreaker? I don't know. That's a great question. It probably goes with something ahead to head that I don't really know. What well, anyway, with. back to the NBA yes. coaches. The point with the coaching is that, to me, how coaches can relate to players and communicate with them is a big deal in the NBA. To me, it's less about purely X's and O's. Well, like, if that's the case, then Brett Brown is a phenomenal coach because that's what he exceeds in. Well, maybe he is very good at that. You know, But if, if that's the only thing he's good at, then maybe that's what's holding him back. You know, to me, NBA coaching is 70% communication and handling the players and 30% system. Well, if your 30% doesn't add up to snuff, maybe it doesn't matter. I put it all on superstars. You have the superstars, you win. It's just, it's sad, but that's how the NBA works. Yeah, that, that's how the I, NBA works. I think that you're not valuing enough how good certain coaches are. Yeah, I don't think that there are, like, you know, there. there's a Popovich and there's a Spolstra, but you might have some of the guys that are maybe a little bit better than others, but in reality, for the most part, they're all just kind of in this area and group of NBA coaches to me. I, I don't agree with that. Yeah, I, I like think Ty Lue won an NBA title as a head coach. Well, here's the thing with Ty Lue, and I used to agree with your opinion, but my opinion has changed on Ty Lue. Because I read the Brian Windhorst and David McMenamin's book, Return of the King. And they document the real story about how Ty Lue got that job. Ty Lue was one of the first people interviewed for the job. But the owner and the GM went with David Blatt instead of Ty Lue. But Ty Lue was actually on track to be the head coach. They wanted to go with Blatt because he was different and new and all that kind of goofy stuff. It doesn't matter in the long run, right? Nobody cares if you're new. It matters if you can get the job done. Well, Ty Lue was put on his coaching staff because they liked Ty Lue so much. When David Black got fired, it had nothing to do with LeBron James. It actually had to do with the fact that apparently David Griffin was so frustrated with Black and how he was handling the team, 
and their current situation in terms of how they were winning and losing, that's how Ty Lue got the job. And part of the reason why Ty Lue succeeded was because apparently Ty Lue was the only dude who could tell LeBron that he was wrong at times and LeBron would listen to him. And that apparently Ty Lue was the only guy in Cleveland who actually would sit LeBron down and be like, you're doing XYZ wrong, you need to do ABC, and LeBron would actually listen to him. And that Ty Lue is actually apparently an incredible coach behind the scenes of the things people never saw. Yeah, I'm not... I'm not buying that Ty Lue was the difference in that team winning the championship, though. You know, no matter who was that coach, they're going to win the championship that year. That's how I saw it, because it comes down to talent in the NBA. I think you need to read this book. No, I, I don't care about what Ty Lue did behind the scenes. I just think that, in general, when you have that type of talent, you're in the spot to win the title because it's the NBA. There's a reason why over the last couple years when it was the Cleveland Cavaliers versus the Golden State Warriors that you could actually bet if it would be that matchup or if it would be the field when it comes to Vegas. That doesn't happen in any other sport where you can bet the same matchup to happen year after year after year or the field when it comes to the NBA Finals. So I think that just tells you the nature of what happens in that league when you have specific talent. Yeah, but I it's not like there wasn't talent on other teams too. But then why is Vegas giving you the odds to either have the field or a specific matchup in the finals? Because teams win championships, not just LeBron James. Right, but those teams have specific talent, and once you realize that the talent is on a specific team, that they have a chance to win the title regardless of the coach. But who is who puts the players in a position to be successful? Once you're out there, you're playing the game of basketball. Listen, I don't disagree that there's a level of people not blaming the players like I've said for a million times the people who hate Brett Brown need to watch the Kobe detail because Kobe literally lays into Embiid and Simmons in a way that I don't think people understand the things that they make mistakes on and to me the evolution of Embiid and Simmons has a lot to do with their own personal choices not Brett Brown so I agree with you there but I think to sit there and say that Nick Nurse wasn't a legit reason why the Raptors won a championship last year. I think you're underselling it. Yeah, I think it was LeBron not being there, gaining a superstar in Kawhi, who you can argue is the second best, or if not the first best player in the league, at least last season, and then third on the list would be Nick Nurse. But I can't just throw away the fact that they got someone you can argue was the best player in the league last season and not have that be a big part of why that team went on that run. Dwayne Casey with that team winning the championship. I, I can't agree he, with the, that. The, the Dwayne Casey ba- bashing is what Brett Brown gets here. It's just because he had a team where he would go up against LeBron and then everyone would argue that. There's no way he can't find a way to get by this team. He's got to get fired. Oh, let's not forget that you're going up against LeBron James every season. That's why you're not getting by him because the other team had someone like LeBron James. And that's what matters in this league. It's the talent that matters more so than anything else. Well, you mentioned Brett Brown. Somebody texted in earlier. Dan from EHT. How can Brett Brown not get fired? Second round or conference finals? What do you mean, how can he not get fired second round? Is well, he Dan, saying if they reach the second round or the conference finals, he should be fired? Is that what he's saying? Well, he's saying what keeps him from oh, being what keeps, fired. Okay, what keeps him? See, I'm under the impression that if they— First off, 
you're going to have to see how it plays out, right? I mean, to just say, hey, if they lose in the second round, then they automatically should fire the head coach. You really have to see how it all plays out. But if he gets to the Eastern Conference Finals, you would see this team go from a, a, making the playoffs and losing to Boston, which was somewhat of an ugly postseason run that season even though it was nice to see them in the playoffs that loss to Boston not very good then the following year they go to game seven quadruple bounce against the Raptors in overtime so they get to the second round and they lose in game seven on the road in this crazy scenario if they get to the Eastern Conference Finals the following year which would be this season I would see growth with these stars on getting past multiple rounds, and I would think that he should be safe getting to another round because that just shows that this team is headed in the right direction. So I think Eastern Conference Finals is good enough for me to say I think he deserves to come back and you because you see steps with these players. Joel and Ben are taking steps each season to the point where it's, hey, let's give it another run at it. To me, if he makes the Conference Finals, he's safe. If he doesn't, then it's in question. But I bring up something I've brought up previously, and I've asked people about this before. I asked Ben Golliver about this last week, and that is there was a story on ESPN. Brian Windhorst, I forget the other person who reported it. It might have been like Ramona Shawburn or one of their 200 NBA insiders. But the report was is that apparently there are some teams that are going to consider not firing their coach because teams don't want to spend the extra money on the fired coach and a new coach because of the financial situation due to the pandemic. That wouldn't surprise me with this um, team ownership, to be honest with you. So I'm wondering that even if Brett Brown did get knocked out of the second round because of the pandemic and the fact that you know we might be back in the NBA bubble in 2021 for another postseason run, because we don't know what the world's going to be like six months from now, that the Sixers say, well, we don't want to pay a new coach and an old coach. So, Brett, you get another year. That's probably realistic if it does come down to money. Joshua Harris, the guy's all about money. Not that owners aren't. That is a big part of being an owner in professional sports, making money. But there's a mix with certain guys who enjoy winning. Jeffrey Lurie. I don't think it's just about money for Jeffrey Lurie. Would you I agree? agree? John Middleton. Uh, to an extent, I, I do get upset sometimes because he is very open about being passionate about winning. But he doesn't go over the luxury tax, so there are times where I do question a little bit what he's thinking. But ultimately, I would say the guy does care about putting a product on the field that matters, right? Yeah. With Joshua Harris, I don't see it that way. I think he is all business. I think that Josh Harris and his ownership group tend to view the world differently than the general sports owner as a general principle. Whether that's fair to them or not, I don't I don't know them personally. All I know is what I've seen in their business practices and how they've run two organizations in terms of the Sixers and the Devils. Understanding that, I just think that there is a part of a lot of NBA teams that maybe don't want to spend any unnecessary money right now. And whether it's the Philadelphia 76ers, whether it's, I'm just trying to think of a team that you know, may have a coach on the hot seat right now. You know, the the Sacramento Kings with Luke Walton, there's a lot of controversy out there with that coaching situation. Well, they made all sorts of mistakes just in general over the last year. You just scratch your head at what the hell is going on right. in Sacramento. So uh, I wouldn't surprise if they keep their head coach. You know, you look at a team like uh, the Washington Wizards with Scott Brooks. 
you know, I mean, is there really, you know, they really want to fire the head coach. They not want to fire. I mean, it's kind of like a, kind of like a nebulous situation. You know, I know that a, a, <laughs> a team like the Cavs need to hire a new head coach, but they brought in an interim guy, Bickerstaff, to replace the whole beeline situation. Do they just say, well, you we got a guy here instead of going through an actual coaching search? That was a nightmare situation they pulled. When they hired him from Michigan, I didn't think it would be this bad. But wow. I mean, you heard the stories throughout the season with the way that he treated it sort of like a college room. And it did not have a really good vibe to it at all. I will say, though, speaking of the Cavs, not to get too sidetracked, but I'm intrigued by Colin Sexton. I think the kid is going to be a nice player. I just wonder if it'll ever work in Cleveland. Like, I feel like he's a player where he might have to go elsewhere to really get that type of recognition because in Cleveland, let's be real, they're probably going to be stuck in this terrible mode for quite some time because it is Cleveland. But I'm intrigued by what he is able to bring from a skill set standpoint. 609-403-0973 is Sexport Tuesday with Thompson coming up about 10 minutes from now. We'll talk with PT about a. A bunch of stuff. Carter Hart? Probably. Back spasms. Back spasms. Yeah, it seems like he's going to be all right. Now, as someone who has played ice hockey at a high level compared to me, which is I have zero experience, <laughs> how does back spasms affect a hockey player? I never had them personally, so I don't know. But I will say for a goalie, it's got to be – I mean, it's bad for anybody. Don't get me wrong, but – you know, it's definitely going to affect him, and I feel like he's going to take a very slow precaution when it comes to this, and who knows when the next time we see him is going to be, but I'm curious to get Pete Thompson's opinion on this. We also have some Reese Hoskins news flying around. He, I guess he's has a media conference right now because I see a lot of tweets going up. Bob from Crossing Broad said that Reese Hoskins says he's using a hybrid between his old and new setup. Felt like he was getting too mechanical in the inner squad and exhibition game. So now he is all over the place again when it comes to the mental side of the plate. Fine. That doesn't, I, that doesn't burst your bubble a little bit? Doesn't even move my bubble. Why? I, I just feel like I just want to see him do it. I don't think he's going to because of what we're hearing right now. That's the thing. No, my thing is I don't care what he does with his batting stance as long as he hits. Well, that's what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about him not hitting. Well, if he doesn't hit, then I don't really think that any of this matters. Well, sure it matters. If you don't have Reese Hoskins, you can fill that void at first base. Maybe Alec Boom. Don't get me wrong. You can fill that void, but it is pretty devastating to the future of this mini window that we have here right now if you think Reese Hoskins isn't even going to be a factor in it because what we've been talking about over the last couple of seasons, it was you got Bryce, you got Aaron Nola, you're going to get Alec Boehm, right? You, you have Zach Wheeler, you signed him. JT Romuto, if he's here, you got him. Reese Hoskins was always in the equation of essentially being that cleanup hitter. So losing him, I'm not saying you can't fill that void because I do think that void could be filled, but now you got to find that guy and you lose Reese Hoskins. It's a big deal to not have him considering what we thought he would be. I agree, but I just... I don't know. I just feel like the Reese Hoskins. When I saw him yesterday, the two things stood out to me the most last night and now for a couple of days now. One, I still don't see a difference between his batting stance from the year before to now. And two, he made a really good play at first base last night. That, that was pretty athletic of him getting the double play. 
Yeah, so, that was a nice play. I'm not too worried about the D, even though I know he's got some holes in his game. I, I just, just need him to hit. I just I think it's a good sign that he was you improved on the defensive side. That's all. But with the DH, you're not wrong. I do agree that it's important to have it. But with the DH, now there's some options where you know if there is someone who can take over first base defensively, you can still utilize that bat in the lineup. So I think the hitting is way more of a important piece to him than so the defensive side. Uh, really quick, a uh, NBA national news story. Let me know if this moves your pile or not. Okay. NBA legend Kevin Garnett and a group of investors are seriously interested in exploring a bid for the Minnesota Timberwolves to buy it from current owner Glenn Taylor. Sources tell Sham Sharania. I think it is interesting, but I don't think it moves my needle to the point where I want to like dive into this and read all about it. I think it's cool that someone like Garnett is getting involved in a city like Minnesota where he was a very important piece, but I don't think it moves my needle that much. Does it move your needle? Well, I love Kevin Garnett. So I do, it does, too. It does move my needle a little bit. I like know. Kevin Garnett, no doubt about it. But I'm a huge Kevin Garnett fan. I don't know how interested I am in his ownership stuff. Kind of like I enjoyed Derek Jeter, right? Like I enjoyed everything he brought to the table. I don't really give a damn about what he does in Miami. To, to the point of what he's actually doing. I care because I don't want them to get good and then have to play the Phillies. And in reality, they don't even need to be good to beat up on the Phillies because they've been doing that for so many years, especially last year. But ultimately, I don't care about his post-career when it comes to that. The only person I feel like I'm going to care about what he does after is LeBron. Because I'm a LeBronsman. I think LeBron one day will own a team. No doubt about it. And he'd probably be a better owner than uh, Michael Jordan. Oh, I would agree with that. that. But you know why he would be a better owner? Because LeBron would delineate. He would delegate. He would say, hey, I'm hiring you to do this job. Now you do that job, not micromanaging all along the way. Well, that's what a lot of owners have problems doing, right? In, in all businesses, not just sports, in general, people have a problem with telling, you know, hiring people to do the job and then making sure they do it without stepping over and starting to implement yourself in those roles. The reason why you hire these people is to let them do it. You mean like Jerry Jones? Jerry Jones, although he has championships under his belt. When he had Jimmy Johnson. Touche. It was Jimmy Johnson's team and players that Jimmy traded for and drafted. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, those players were gone. He hasn't hasn't gotten back since. You're not wrong. Sports Bash. He's Hunter Birdie. I'm Josh Hennig. Mike Gill has a day off. He'll be back tomorrow. Sports Bash being brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. We need an expert to help you navigate the house loan process. Contact Rocket Mortgage team 24-7 at rocketmortgage.com. It's a Tuesday, and that means Pete Thompson joins the show next. Get into some Flyers, Phillies, find out what the PT's watching on TV lately. All that and more right here on Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN-FM and 97.3 ESPN Mobile App. Back to the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Sports Bash here on 97.3 ESPN being brought to you by SHM Financial. Are you quickly approaching or are you currently in retirement? Don't get overwhelmed. Contact SHM Financial. Give them a call at 800-MONEY-SHM or visit them online at shmfinancial.com. Josh Henning sitting in for Mike Gill. He'll be back in tomorrow. 
along with Hunter Brody here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN every Tuesday. You know what time it is. It's a Tuesday with Thompson here on 97.3 ESPN. Pete, how you doing? I'm good. Josh and Broads, Broads and Josh, no MG hovering over you like Lord Vader. Life is good. He doesn't do that. Come on, PT. Oh, I've sat in that chair. I know what it's like. That look, that stare. I know what it's like. I'm not afraid of that He doesn't even stare. have to put his hand up and, like, clench his fist to, like, make you have trouble breathing. You're just <laughs> scared. <laughs> well, Pete, we have a bunch of stuff we want to get to with you, so hopefully we can squeeze it all. And we got to start with the hockey, though. Yeah, talk about being scared. Were you scared when you saw the news about Carter Hart, PT? Uh, well, that uh, there's another PT day where I spent all of Tuesday, uh, let's see, I spent an hour and 10 minutes on with the Comcast people, and we all know how pleasurable those phone calls are, you know. In fact, uh, the highlight of the phone call was when they switched me to the technician in the Dominican Republic. You know, that that's fun, because a guy in the Dominican Republic is going to be able to tell me what equipment is working in my house and what isn't. Give me a GD break. All right, so enlighten me about the Carter Hart News. Okay, well, he left the skate today after an apparent injury, and he did not return. But it looks like the only report I have seen on it to this point was one hour ago from Colby Cohen of NBC Sports Philadelphia's pre- and post-game show with the Flyers. He says, I'm told that Carter Hart had some minor back spasms, and it locked up a little during the skate today. Nothing major or COVID-related. I would think he'd be back on the ice in a day or two. So that's where we're yeah, at. He I left see, with back spasms. I see nothing too serious in the headline that I'm reading, and that mirrors with what you're saying. I mean, uh, hey, good cojones on Colby Cohen to, to actually get into specifics. I mean, geez, does he want to be invited back into the media room again? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, look, I, I know that it's being reported that it's not that big of a deal, and it looks like it's just some mini back spasms or whatever, but... You know, I just question mini back spasms. Could it lead to something serious in a day or two if he does hop back on the ice? And we know that Elaine Vigneault has been open about maybe not taking these round-robin games in very seriously. So will you even see a lot of Carter Hart at this point, do you think? I mean, I guess that all depends on how he responds, right, and how serious it really is. Look, you know, hockey, as you know better than anybody, Broads, is the one that was the most secretive. You know, the, the guy would c- completely have like a compound fracture in his left arm, and they'd be like, upper body injury, lower body injury. I mean, they were the ones that for the longest time were the most secretive. It was the NFL that actually would sort of reveal what it was. NBA, they didn't care. You know, the guy had a hangnail, and they'd say he'd have to miss a game, right? But but hockey, I thought, was always so secretive, and they, they I guess, are a little less secretive now. Uh, my take on this is they absolutely need him if they're going to make a run, and, and if they say it's nothing too serious, I, I take him at my word, and, you know, is there pause and concern? Sure, but if, if they say it's not that big a deal, then you hope that it's not that big a deal. Pete, I think it's not going to be a big deal, but I think the bigger deal is the fact that the Flyers are going to be going into this bubble as a top four seed no matter what. So I think that no matter what you look at this Flyers team, we know that they should be get a favorable matchup, which to me sounds like they have a chance to go deep in the postseason. I think I think they have a great chance, Josh. And you're right. I mean, you know, the way this thing is set up, 
them being one of the top four, and that's why that win streak they went on before everything shut down. Their last game was on March 10th, by the way, when they beat the Bruins at home. And when they went into the shutdown, them getting that top four seed and just having to do the round-robin games instead of being like five, for example, like Pittsburgh, who they scrimmage coming up, that's their first thing before they – uh, fully get in the bubble and all that, but um, I think they have nowhere to go but up. You know, guys are guys that were always banged up, guys that you know never. And hockey's the one that they never admit that they're even having a problem. So the fact that Carter Hart even left the ice is a little bit eye raising. But you know, everybody, with the exception of Nolan Patrick, that's the one guy that you know they just can't give answers on of to what the deal is. But I mean, you know, you sit here and you you think about the way health problems are like Jake Voracek wasn't at a practice the other day and all of a sudden the buzz went around oh my god oh my god Voracek's not here where's Jake oh my god he's not here oh it must be COVID-19 but the NHL has basically muzzled all their teams I mean you can it's almost impossible to get any update on any injury any illness and baseball had that similar thing happen where you know Aaron Nola all of a sudden wasn't there a little a couple of days when they first started their summer camp I mean just the dissemination of how information gets out is completely different. Plus you take into the fact privacy and HIPAA, it's a mess. I mean, look, the one thing I'm very thankful of right now is that I'm not a beat reporter on the Flyers beat or the Sixers beat or the Phillies beat trying to get this information to my readers, viewers, listeners, because it's it's a whole new world. No doubt it definitely is. And I don't think this is going to be the scenario, but it's a hypothetical if Brian Elliott was the guy for the Flyers during a playoff run, do you think that he's good enough to get that job done? I mean, he's not the guy that's going to steal you the games, but he certainly can get hot. And, you know, look, he has 45 career playoff games. It's not like he's never been in a playoff game before. You know, he went 16-7 and with a 287 goals against this year. It wasn't like he was a slouch, you know. I mean, uh, but he's not Carter Hart. I mean, at the end of the day, he's not Carter Hart. Carter Hart is the guy that is the reason some of the national people have buzz about the Flyers. A healthy Carter Hart is the guy that could steal you a series or maybe take you all the way to, the, to a cup. So that that's the guy you want in there with good reason. But, uh, look, there's a reason Moose is there, and I, I have no problem with him. Especially, you know, if this is the thing. They can't improve or 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 cost themselves any position in the round-robin thing. You want them to go into that round-robin, and you'd love to see them beat the three teams that are ahead of them and all of a sudden get, like, the number one seed or something. Or maybe not the number one seed because they get snake bit. But you know what I'm saying. Like, wow, all they can do is go up. But they also can't go down. So then what's the harm in the foul if Elliott has to play two of the three round-robin games or maybe even all three? And that gives Hart time to, you know, rehab his back or whatever the issue is and and, uh, roll on. Pete, I got to ask you about another story from today because, you know, this is something that Broads and I talked about earlier, which is Vince Velasquez. He looked good last night. Are you buying the hype that the Phillies are putting out there about Vince Velasquez? I mean, you know, what am I, Lucy and the football and Charlie Brown? Hell no, I'm not believing that hype. Not yet. I mean, it was nice. And, and look, I cracked up because... You know, we were watching the game on television, which was fun to watch. Uh, we would have watched the Nationals game if we could have seen it, but we watched the Orioles mess, and that didn't look so great. And, you know, and then we watched the Yankees, and Velasquez did look solid. But I had to go pick up my girlfriend from work. So in the car, I listened 
to the whole thing that it was just kind of bizarre of like, all right, there's the third out and we're going to go to this, that, that. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Velasquez is supposed to, it looks like he's going to face judge again. Let's see if he can go for the hat trick. And I just thought it was hilarious to hear the radio, the play by play. And I want to say it was Fransky, but it might've been Jim Jackson do the call with Kevin Franson and just discuss the fact that, you know, they're telling him to stay out there to see. And and he had a good, uh, basically a good sequence against judge until judge did what judge does and took him deep. And the part that they said on the radio that made me laugh was that Velasquez was back in the Phillies dugout before Aaron judge crossed home plate, almost like USOBs made me stay out here for a fourth out. and Look what happened. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of funny on TV. You saw Aaron judge, like he didn't know if you, if he should have ran around the bases or not. So he started running, then he stopped. He started going back towards the dugout. Then he, completed running around the bases the whole thing definitely was a little bit awkward you saw the same thing with Zach Wheeler the night before too where one inning was one out and then later on in the game when he wasn't in anymore they went four outs or something like that but with Reese Hoskins that's another big controversy right now he's doing a lot with the batting stance he's changing his hands and I just feel like with everything he did this offseason talking about how he was going to change everything and now you're hearing that he's going back to his old ways it just concerns me a little bit that he doesn't know what he's doing at this point and I'm concerned that you might get another season like you did last year out of him yeah and before we uh, I skip past Velasquez he, he did throw that cutter last night which he calls his quarantine pitch so it looks good PT. I mean it look, does look good I think we might finally be seeing the mature Velasquez that understands because his words certainly sounded great. What he said post game about like, I understand the fifth spot is up for grabs and I have a chance to grab that spot. So heck yeah, man. Like finally, like have some hunger. Cause look, nobody's ever questioned that he's got one of the more talented arms on the staff. It's just, are you going to be a thrower or are you going to be a pitcher? And maybe Vince Velasquez is finally learning how to be a pitcher. Now, to your point, Hunter, about the stance and the whole Reese Hoskins mess, I mean, I just always go back to Crash Davis, man. You know, get the girl out of your head, Crash. Like, get the things out of your head. Like, when Kevin Costner's up at bat, I'm not a pro athlete. I stopped playing baseball at 14, right? I never was a very good hitter. I was a very good – I had a good on-base percentage because I'd stand up there and make the pitcher throw strikes, and a lot of times they didn't especially at 14, 13, and 12, and they don't know what the hell they're doing, right? But to me, it's it's simply a case of i got to believe that if Reese Hoskins can get some of the people out of his head and get a more simple approach, that the success will come. I mean, he's had success before. He's got to be able to have success again. And I, I at least am holding out hope that less voices, less analytics, less mess in his head – Will, lead, will translate to success. You know, but uh, it's got to be hard. I mean, he's in a fishbowl, and every single at-bat, they're like, what would you do wrong there? Well, what was happening there? I mean, you know, uh, you could argue that other than Bryce Harper, nobody's at-bats are more scrutinized than Reese Hoskins because he's had the problem. Tuesday with Thompson. Pete Thompson joins the Sports Bash every Tuesday at 5.30 right here on 97.3 ESPN. Pete I got to ask you also, just in general, I want to ask you about this. We read this earlier for headlines because you're a guy who worked in TV. So I want to know your perspective on this. So the White Sox-Cubs game on ESPN had 525,000 viewers on Sunday. Now that is up 62% versus the last ESPN set of spring training games. So obviously more people were watching that game that night than in March. 
Well, here's where it gets interesting. This was not the most watched event on television on ESPN on Sunday. The F1 racing qualifying and racing was the most watched thing on ESPN that day. But Pete, mm-hmm. there's a problem with all of this. The game was blacked out in Chicago. That's the right. only way you could watch the Cubs-White Sox game if you were in Chicago area was on NBC Sports Chicago. They had a 3.93 rating, the highest rating for a White Sox game since 2012. So technically, there were way more people watching the Cubs-White Sox game than could actually watch it on ESPN, but F1 gets the win because the game is blacked out in Chicago. Yeah, you, you know, Paul Harvey on the radio used to say, and here's the rest of the story, and you did the digging to find out the rest, part, the, the bigger part of that. I mean, look, when I saw highlights from Nationals Park the other night, the Phillies won big, too, by the way, and Didi Gregorius had a home run with a mask on, and, you know, I mean, they, the Phillies had, you know, looked like they really took it to the Nationals. The, those highlights were courtesy MLB Network. And I thought, well, shoot, why did not watch MLB Network? And then I realized I did try to watch MLB Network, and it went right to network programming, not that game, because, you know, there's no way that my local Xfinity with NBC Sports Philadelphia is going to let me watch something else. I mean, that's basically what it boils down to, you know. If, you're, if, you, if you've paid the money to Coke, they ain't letting you sip any bit of Pepsi. No, sir, no way, not happening. Pete, before we let you go, speaking of TV, uh, what are you watching now? This is, I know, it's an ongoing topic between you and me on and off the air. So, uh, what is the PT consuming right now, considering that we still have our days away from actually having real sports? Yeah, well, we're huge in this house with Yellowstone. If you haven't watched any of that, Kevin that's the Paramount Network. Uh, we're big fans of that. Uh, we've watched all the seasons. I think they're on season four now. Uh, Kevin Costner plays a ranch a ranch owner out in uh, Montana and all the supporting cast that's in it. And uh, that's incredible. So that's every Sunday night. I've picked up, started watching Perry Mason on HBO. Uh, That's got the guy from the incredible or the Incredibles from the Americans in it, Matthew Reese. And it's definitely for the older audience. It's not, uh, you know, the Perry Mason black and white TV show. I mean, it's on HBO, so it's R rated and it's in the forties and it's a little bit, you know, raunchy. And it's, it's just, it's been a great, you know, it's a season long thing though of, of the drama. And then the funniest thing I think that I've picked up is, uh, I happened to see the show NCIS go by on USA or something like that. And I thought, well, I did this once with Castle. I'll just start setting the DVR, and I'll just watch the old episodes because, you know, I'm only 17 seasons behind. And uh, I started to set the DVR, and then I realized, you know, when it said watch options, that all 17 seasons are on Netflix. Okay, I'll just reverse that those recordings and stop hogging up the space. And so, yeah, every night when I uh, – when I get in bed, I usually watch uh, one or two episodes of um, in the first season of NCIS. So uh, don't give me any spoilers. I know there's a bunch of significant stuff that happens over 17 years, but, you know, better late than never. Uh, I just will say this. The cast is very different in season one. Oh, 100%. The, uh, especially the girl Sasha Alexander, who I remember from Shameless. I mean, the very first episode – and people may not remember this because it was 2003, but the pilot episode is all about Air Force One and President Bush at the time, Bush 43. And, of course, they hired that Bush lookalike guy 
to come on and and talk to like all the Secret Service and the you know the Marine or the uh, the people that are guarding the plane and uh, <laughs> the guy that's holding the football, right? And and he's all talking about ribs and stuff. And I thought this guy's incredible because he sounds and looks just like him. You know, it's not actual George W. Bush, but it was pretty cool. <laughs> Tuesdays with Thompson every Tuesday here on the Sports Bash. Josh Hennig filling in for Mike Yellow with Hunter Brody on 97.3 ESPN. Pete, good to hear from you. Stay on the mend and uh, enjoy the television shows. Sounds good, buddy. You too. Coming up next, five questions here to wrap up the show. We've been here for five hours. Time to wrap it up. Josh Hennig, Hunter Brody, 97.3 ESPN. Listen to all the Flyers playoff hockey action on 97.3 ESPN with Tim Saunders and Steve Coates. What a pass from the Tur- Five questions being brought to you by Matt Blackia. Matt Blackia wants to get you approved today. That's Matt Blackia on the Black Horse Pike in Egg Harbor Township. Rhodes has got... Well, some semblance of five after five hours. Yeah, the five. We'll start with this. Spencer Howard versus Nick Pavetta for your Phillies game tonight. Does that move the needle? No, because I won't be able to watch it. Well, why can't you? It's on TV. Well, can't you throw it up on one of these computers? We got like seven monitors going on around Yeah, I got work to do. You won't just have it on as background noise. I can't really watch it. I mean, you can still have it on. You got to have it on. What if Spencer Howard throws a no-no? In the inner squad? Yup. He won't even last more than four innings. If he's got a no-no, he will. No, he won't. You think Joe pulls him? Yeah. I'll, I'll get on here tomorrow and freak out if he gets yanked after a mid-no-no. All right. Taco, so you're a hard shell or soft um, wrap guy? Both. You like both? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like both. I love too. tacos. I love tacos as well. I mean, I feel like there's something wrong if you don't like tacos. It's a good item. Listen, you know what's even better? Than just hard or soft. If you get a hard shell I knew you and were you going put here. the refried beans on the soft and wrap the hard around it, that is not a bad move. Or you wrap the soft around the hard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think you maybe you said that backwards. Maybe ah, not. Whatever. Maybe. Uh, are, do you ever have cash? Like, are you one of those cash people? You always card. I try to always have cash. I just knew you be- were going to be a cash just, guy. Just because I'm not a very trusting individual of technology. I've I've seen the card fail people at times. Beach guy. This is something I'm indifferent about. Beach guy, pool guy, I don't care. Because I don't even go out enough to even care. So do you like the beach? I like both. I don't care. Star Wars guy? Eh, mediocre. Wow, shocking to hear that. Lukewarm. Wow. Like, it's it's interesting, but it's one of those things where it's like, I think the people who are obsessed with it don't really realize that the series actually doesn't have a lot of depth. 